If you had to give me one word as to what the focus of Christmas is, what would that be? Jesus is a very good... Now, I know that can be cliche sometimes, and if you're not sure about the, what answer to give the Christian question, well, if you, if you say, Jesus, you might be in... You might... 75% of the time, you'd be right, okay? <laughs> okay? But in this case, the one word, the one name that is above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one name that fulfilled, and even in our day is still fulfilling, prophecy of old. And all of the prophets of the Old Testament are all pointing forward, all of them pointing forward to that one name, that name of Jesus. In all of their lives, they pointed to that one name, Jesus, but they never got to experience it. They never got to see what God was speaking through them. They never got to hear his voice. They never got to see God's plan of salvation after the birth of Christ Jesus. But in the birth of Christ Jesus, all of these things, these these scriptures and uh, prophecies come to fruition over hundreds and hundreds of years. And all of these things, all of them are just pointing in the same direction forward to the time of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? The one word that we can encapsulate all of Christmas, all of this whole Advent season is Jesus. Not Christmas trees. Not presents, though those have become such an important part, and rightly so. Not all the decorations, all the things that I enjoy about it, it's really not, don't have much to do with Christmas. But Jesus changed everything. Jesus changed the world. The birth of Christ in that little place, in that little manger, which is like a cattle feed box, right? Let's be real, all right? It's not a crib, all right? It is a place where cattle eat from, literally, okay? With hay and straw in there, and this little baby is wrapped in really just pieces of cloth, not clothes, just pieces of cloth. This humble birth of the Christ child changed the world forever. Forever. Hmm. So as we progress through this Christmas season, the Advent season, it's important that we understand some of the traditions that we are partaking of and, frankly, can miss out on if we're not careful. And so I want to help you as I'm helping myself to educate myself as to what Advent 
is and the importance of it. If you will be so kind as to follow me. <laughs> Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have together. To sit, Lord, under your teaching, to learn together. I pray that you would help us to receive from your word today. Give us peace and encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the word Advent itself is taken from a Latin word, which is not going to mean much to you at all, okay? But it's important that we hear these things. It's taken from the Latin word advenio, which means coming or coming to, all right? So when you, when you have a word and you're not really sure what it means, sometimes it helps to the, um, the etymology of that word, where it, the word originated from, where its origins were, okay? If we can do that, it helps us to understand what the word means, what its purpose is, things like that, okay? And yes, you could go on without knowing this word and its Latin translation, and you probably wouldn't miss a whole lot, but it does help us to focus, and it helps us to gather some knowledge about what we're studying, okay? So Advent comes from the Latin word advenio, which means coming or coming to, all right? Christ was coming. <laughs> Christ was coming to the earth. Christ was coming to save humanity. Advent is our opportunity to prepare for or coming to the coming of Christ Jesus. Friends, I want to stop right here before I go any further, and I put this in my notes so that I wouldn't forget. We need to pray for Israel, Amen. all right? We need to pray for Israel. There's some uh, difficult things going on in Israel, and um, I'm not sure where you stand on the political spectrum, and um, that's one of the things that makes America great is that, you know, there's people on both sides of the aisle. In most cases, hopefully we can come together and still serve the same Lord and still love our country. Okay. Amen. However, when it comes to Israel, America, the place that we live, it's very important that America supports Israel. And for many years, I want to tell you something. When I was in Israel, driving through, um, Jerusalem, okay? Jerusalem, a pretty busy place. There was this section, it looked like a big, big park, but it was just desolate. It was just messy and just desolate. There was nothing on that land, and it was right in the center of this land. And as we drove by this, it was very obvious that that was intended for something, but you weren't sure what it was. And all of these other things going on and, and building and, and movement forward in this country, and yet this area just remains desolate, right in the middle of everything. That area, that land that I saw with my own eye was the designated place. <laughs> the designated place for the capital of Jerusalem. All right? At the, at Jerusalem being the capital, and that's where our embassy is going to be. And yet it has been desolate for years. Somebody promised that this was going to take place and never followed through. 
And so finally, after years and years and years and years of saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to make this happen, it's happening. It's happening, friends. And so now this desolate place in Jerusalem is going to have a name on it. And I can't tell you what all of Israel is doing right now. I can only imagine that in the hearts of the people, people that live in Israel, in their whole lives, they've never heard. It's coming true right in their time. All right? And all the people, the nations that surround Israel, they don't like it because it legitimizes them. Yeah? And so this um, Abbas guy, the uh, president... Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian Authority president, is calling for days of rage, and you've probably seen on the news all of these upheavals and stuff like this of, um, you know, Palestinian people that are, you know, not happy about this, and um, because it's their hope that they would be able to take it all back, you know, and, and take it for themselves. And, and the motto is, from the river, Jordan, to the sea, Palestine will be free. So if you think on a map of where that is, that wipes Israel right off the picture. That's their intention. They want to get rid of Israel altogether from the River Jordan to the sea, Mediterranean Sea. Israel gone. That's what they want. And so this guy is promoting Days of rage, and he wants it to go on, and he's saying flat, flat out, we will not back down. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as the Bible says. In Genesis 12, chapter 3, it says, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. Friends, we want our nation to be blessed. Thus, it is important for our nation and all those in it to bless Israel. Do you understand? That's why it's important to keep Israel as our friend to protect her, to do whatever we can to help her because we are connected spiritually. Okay? They are, the Palestinian, this Abbas guy is is rejecting Mike Pence. He's supposed to go over there in a few weeks and uh, have some meetings and try to uh, work some things out and they're just saying, we don't want him around. Let's pray. Just quickly. For Israel. Israel is, in a sense, the apple of God's eye. Special. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that Israel, Jerusalem, is special to you. And that through Israel, you are going to bless the whole world. That's what your word says. That's what you told Abraham so many years ago, that I will bless the whole world through you. And so, Father, we want to bless Israel. We pray that through our motions, through our talk, through our conversations, through our actions, that everything that we do would show love and blessing to Israel, Lord. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that you would bring peace to Jerusalem, that they would not be fighting, that they would be able to live together in harmony, Lord. 
We pray that you would provide for her every need. We pray that you would protect those people, that you would watch over them tenderly and powerfully. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you for being patient. Thank you for following me as we deter from today's message to accomplish something that is really, really important. As we move forward in the times in which we live, keep your eyes on Israel. Okay? Now, in this scripture that we're talking about, this Advent season, do you know that there are more than 400 scriptures in the Old Testament that point to the birth, the death, the life, the resurrection, and the coming again, the return of Christ, over 400 scriptures in the Old Testament that point to Christ. Do you know that? Do you know that only Christ was able to fulfill them collectively? And do you know that even though most of them have been fulfilled, some of it is being fulfilled right now as we live? As we watch Israel, we see these things gradually and slowly beginning to take place. All right? And sometimes it's hard for us to picture where America is in the Bible, you know? And as you study the end times, where does America fit into all these things and stuff like that? And, and that's good, and I like to study that stuff, and it's interesting. And, but you know what? It, 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 when it comes down to it, our response is the same regardless of where America is, where the rest of the world is. Our response is we need to be ready for the coming of Christ. Well, what does that mean? We have to be militarized to action. We have to be trained. We got to have all this, like Waco. No, that's not it. That's not the answer, friends, okay? Though I think that preparation is important, all right? I think that having a store of emergency, something that you can draw from, there, be there problems or something like this. It's always a wise idea instead of being caught unaware. However, we're not just talking earthly here. We're talking spiritually. And when we say being prepared, we're talking about being ready for Christ's return. We're talking about spiritually, are we ready to meet our maker? If we were to die today, pulling out of this driveway, are we ready to meet our maker? Are we, are we right with God? Okay? If Christ were to return today, which he promised that he would, not today, but sometime, right? If he were to return today, are you ready? Are you ready? Okay? We all kind of feel that angst a little bit. Well, I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to do this. I want to, I want to do this first before, okay? And we all kind of feel that a little bit because all we've known is what we see, right? But spiritually, are you ready? Have you done business with God? Are you ready if you were to die today or if Christ were to return today? Are you ready to be with the Lord? Some of us, we would say, I don't even need to think about that because I've been waiting my whole life. I've been preparing myself and waiting for the coming of Christ. I've been, and you know what? Christianity can sometimes lose the 
uh, understanding that we are strangers in this place. We're just passing through. Did you ever think about that? We get so entrenched in our daily lives that we don't think about the second coming of Christ. We don't think about that we are only strangers here. What does that mean? Well, if you go to a foreign country, you are a stranger. All right? When we go to Guatemala, I'm a gringo. Okay? <laughs> I'm a gringo. I'm a, I'm a stranger there. I'm an f- American. Okay? Well, we, our home, our, our citizenship is in heaven. Okay? We, we live here on this earth, all right? We, we're able to um, use the time that God has given us to, uh, to do things that we enjoy, to have a family, to do this, to do that, to have a business or whatever the case may be. But we have to keep in mind that we are only travelers in a sense. We're strangers here, and we will eventually return to where we came from to heaven, all right? And when Christ returns, we will either go to be with him in a place the Bible calls heaven, or we will go to be in a place where God is not. Why? Because we have rejected him. And that place the Bible calls hell, okay? And so hell was not created to send all the bad people all right? We were not created so that God could send us to hell. God doesn't send... Let me just settle the, the uh, books here a little bit. God does not send people to hell. God, why would God... No, God does not send people to hell. People send themselves there by rejecting Christ. People send themselves there by rejecting Christ. Let's make that very clear. The Bible says that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not want anyone to die or to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance and eventually come to be with him. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, right? In my Father's house are many mansions, are many rooms. He says, I go there to prepare a place for you. If it were not true, I would have told you. And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will do what? Yeah, I'm going to come back to take you to be You see, those are his words. That's God's heart that his children be together with him. Parents, isn't that your desire to have your children? Mm. Yeah, that's God's heart. That's his desire. Maybe that's hard for us to understand. Maybe we didn't have the greatest relationship with our parents. Maybe whatever, and you can explain and, and that is legit, okay? That can really affect your, your relationship with your dad, especially, can really affect 
your relationship with your heavenly Father in the way that you are able to or unable to relate to Him. But God is our heavenly Father. Perfect. Perfect. And He shows the perfect love. And you know what the Bible says about perfect love? It casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Not like world love. Perfect love. Isn't that something? So we're in this Advent season. We're corralling our thoughts. Focusing on the season that we're in. Advent. Adveneal. Coming, coming to. Christ was coming to the earth. Christ was coming to free us from our sins. And now on, there is what's called an Advent wreath, and we have some pictures here that I'd like to show you for those of you who are not familiar with it. It will help to um, help you to understand visually. There is an Advent wreath with four candles in it. Three of them are purplish lavender color. I feel weird saying lavender. It's kind of like periwinkle. You just, I don't know. Purple, blue. Give me the primaries. I'm doing all right. All right. So it's a purplish color candle. There's three candles that are purplish. The other one is a rose pinkish sort of color. Okay. Now those have significant meaning. Okay. They have significant meaning to them. Now, as we walk our way through this, pardon me as I wet my throat down here a little bit as I go. Each candle is lit one at a time over the four weeks, four Sundays prior to Christmas. Okay? Now, each week there is a, a focus. Okay? Now, each candle represents a thousand years. Okay, a thousand years. Whoa, that's a long time. It is a long time. All right, but there's a significance in that. Added up together, those four candles, each representing a thousand years, equals 4,000 years, thus symbolizing the years that humanity waited for the Savior to come. All right. Well, what years? And specifically, the years from Adam and Eve to Jesus. All right? And that's what that is representing. Now, the candles, the color of these candles, this purplish color, has a specific symbolism. And this is all really symbolism. And the, the point of all of this is to help us to remember is to help us to remember. When we celebrate communion, we're celebrating Christ's death until he comes. It's to help us remember. And I know that there's a very liturgical sort of feeling in these things, very traditional and, and these things, but they, they really do help us to remember. And even the color of these candles is to signify a time of prayer, a time of penance, a time of sacrifice. Okay? Now, in this 
Advent season, we are spiritually waiting in our darkness, our sinfulness, with hopeful expectation for our promised redemption, just as the whole world waited for Christ's birth. All right? So in our sin, we are waiting for redemption. All right? We know that in those days, it was prophesied, and yet Christ had not come, so they were still waiting on the promised Messiah, the one to come, the one that was foretold that would fulfill these scriptures. And as the world waited for Christ's birth, we now, because Christ came, we are now waiting what? His second coming, his return, okay? We don't know exactly when that's going to be, but in Revelation and Daniel and Matthew, there are, and in John even, uh, there are things that point us, that give us markers as to where we are roughly on this um, map of this timeline of events as to where we are with Christ's return. And, and, you know, some people debate those things and say with great certainty, well, it's going to be this time or that time, but the truth is nobody knows. Only the Father knows. Okay? So, the first two weeks of Advent that we are completing now, the first two candles are lit. Two purple candles are lit the first two weeks of Advent, okay? The third week, the rose candle is lit, all right? And that one is specific because in that week, we celebrate that our waiting for the birth of Jesus is almost over. We're almost to Christmas where we celebrate the birth of Christ. That candle represents that we are almost to the coming of Christ. Again, Advenil, Advent, coming to, right? Okay. Are, are you getting this? All right. Okay. On the fourth Sunday of Advent, the last, the last purple candle is lit, marking the final week of prayer and penance as we expectantly await the soon coming of the birth of Christ Jesus, the King of Kings. Okay? Now, each, um, each week of Advent has its own significance. There is so much significance in this, and this is why I'm bringing this to you. All right? There is so much significance in this. And as you begin to learn these things, it really has this deeper meaning than what we're used to, okay? And it really helps you to focus and celebrate. We're able to celebrate better when we know why we're celebrating, when we remember what we're celebrating. Now, the order of these uh, uh, focuses of each week may differ a little bit, okay? Especially the first two. However, ultimately, they all come together in a group, okay? Now, the first week is either hope or faith. Let's just say that it's hope, okay? First week is hope, and that represents the prophet's candle. So this is the purple candle that's being lit. This is the prophet's candle, and the focus is hope, the first week of Advent, okay? We are hoping because it reminds us 
that Jesus is coming and that in the Old Testament, the prophets pointed to Christ's Jesus coming. What is the importance of Christ Jesus coming? It is the fulfillment of prophecy of God's plan of salvation. That's why it's so important. It's so important because our sin is taken away. It is removed because of Christ's sacrifice once for all. Okay? Candle one, purple. The prophet's candle, and it represents what? Hope. Okay? Reminding us that Jesus is coming. Week two, faith. This is the Bethlehem candle, another purple candle. Represents faith. And it reminds us of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. Do you remember the story? A lot of times uh, we see our kids demonstrating this in a little play or something like that, you know, and, and they're all dressed up and stuff like that. It's so much fun. And uh, we get to see all their nerves and they're all nervous and trying to remember all their lines and all that fun stuff. But the shepherd's candle reminds us of, of, or uh, excuse me, Bethlehem candle reminds us of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. They had to go back because of the census, right? <coughs> excuse me. So we have first week, purple candle, hope. Second week, Bethlehem candle, another purple candle representing faith. Week three, the shepherd's candle. All right? Joy is the focus. Joy is the focus, reminding us of the joy the world experienced at the coming of Christ. That candle is a little bit special, wouldn't you say? The coming of Christ. The joy that was felt in the coming of Christ. That pink candle. So we have hope, faith, joy. And the fourth and final Sunday of Advent represents peace. So we have hope, faith, joy, and peace. This is the angel's candle, which reminds us of the message. The angels proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill towards men. That's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. Right? Do you remember that in the story? Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward man. Now, it's important that we understand this peace on earth deal. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of peace on the earth. Okay? Goodwill towards men. Well, let me clarify some things about this statement. All right? This is declaring, God declaring to men, to people, that because Christ has come, he brings peace between God and man. He brings peace between God and man. All right? Goodwill toward men. Between who? Men? Women? No. God and people. Okay? Why? Because our sin separates us from God. Our sin deserves punishment. We are all guilty, the Bible says. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Peace on earth between God 
Peace comes to the earth. Advent, peace comes to, right? Earth. Christ is coming to the earth. Even C.S. Lewis, you guys have heard of C.S. Lewis. The birth, he says this, the birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. Man, that got pretty smart. Yeah? He's the central focus of it all. He's he's what it's all about. He's what the whole story is all about. All of history is his story. History is his story. You get that? That's cool, huh? The purpose of Advent is to prepare us for the celebration of the birth of Christ Jesus. And there's another purpose. It reminds us that we are eagerly awaiting Christ's return. This word hope is is kind of special. This word hope in the Bible has really two, two meanings. It represents a sense of, of eager anticipation. This longing for something to happen. Longing for something we've been told about over and over and over in the Scriptures. It's a sense of hope and longing for something. This eager anticipation. And secondly, it depicts a sense of confident expectation. Yes, we're hoping for something. Yes, we're longing for it. And we expect it to happen at some point. And this... This confident expectation is based on certainty because of this biblical hope that is secured by God's faithfulness to his promises. God will do what he says. The Old Testament leaders, the arrival of the Messiah was their hope, their longing. But you see, they didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, did they? He was from a poor family. He, uh, he died a criminal's death. Who, who would want that kind of a Messiah? We want somebody that's going to be a strong leader, a military royal leader. We don't want someone that's going to be crucified. And so, friends, even to this day, Even to this day, much of Israel does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. They don't believe that He is the Messiah. They don't believe that He is the Son of God. Okay? And so, another reason we need to pray for Israel. You understand? They need Jesus as much as we do. God's plan of salvation unfolded in a manger in Bethlehem with the birth of Christ Jesus the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews that this hope we have as an anchor for our souls. And we've talked about before how, this, how an anchor is intended to keep the ships in the safety of the harbor. It's used occasionally for other, other things to drag or to slow a ship down or something like that if it can reach the floor of the ocean. But 
Its intention is to keep the ships in the safety of the harbor. Because in the harbor, it's safe, it's calm. The break wall separates the harbor from the sea and the ocean and protects the ships as they are unloading and loading. Spiritually, Christ is our anchor. He's the anchor for our souls, as the Bible says. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. In his birth, in a lowly manger, in Bethlehem, our plan of salvation had begun. And Jesus would live 33 and a half years, a sinless life. He was perfect. And yet he gave himself as a sacrifice once for all, the Bible says. He gave himself that we could once again stand righteous before God. Not by our own righteousness, because the Bible says of our righteousness that it is as filthy rags before God. The Bible says that there is no one righteous. No, not one. We have all sinned. We're all dirty. We all need a Savior. His death on the cross and the shedding of his blood washes our sin away. It doesn't exist anymore. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Peace on earth, goodwill toward man, peace through Jesus has come to the earth. Jesus is that peace. Do you understand? Peace between God and man. Let's close in prayer. Would you stand with me today? I pray that as we proceed and get further into this Advent season, that the things we talked about, faith and hope and peace, and all these things, that they are so much more a part of your life as you revere, as you look on the holiday with respect and honor of Christ Jesus the Lord and his birth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, we are so grateful. We are so, in a sense, indebted to you for what you have done for us. We don't deserve it. And yet, you demonstrated the giving of the greatest gift of all that has ever been in history and will ever be in the future, the gift of your one and only Son. And Lord, you said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, everything is new. And you said in, for, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You gave the greatest gift of all for us. May we receive it. May we believe it. And may we celebrate it. May we never look at Christmas the same again. Be with us, Lord, as we leave this place. May we represent you to this world. 
May we pray for Israel. May we be your ambassadors, confident and strong and yet humble, acting in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.